Welcome to the She Do That podcast. This episode is a Q&A with the wonderful Helen Brodson and Harry Gillian, following their brilliant two-part episode on funding and animation. Now, if you haven't listened to those episodes yet, please hit pause and go check them out now. They're packed full of useful information on funding, as well as a delight to listen to. But now for this episode, we ask you, the listeners, to send in your questions. We wanted this to be a helpful way to engage with our audience and cover anything we may have missed in the previous episodes. We have lots of questions to get into, so without further ado, please welcome Helen and Harriet. Hi guys, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, this is Helen, so yeah. Yeah, good too, thanks. Thanks for having us back. No, thank you for doing the last one. Yeah, it was really good. We got some really good feedback and uh, hopefully now everyone will be jumping on to the funding bandwagon, getting loads of short films out there. I hope, I hope so, because again, it's that usual thing of I wish some of these podcasts were around when... I was starting out and it's not meant to, you know, sort of tell you absolutely everything, meant to, but it's a good starting point, you know, to, to be able to make yourself feel inspired. I hope it's inspired anyway, so that's good. Especially with a topic like this that can feel quite daunting if you don't know anything about it or you don't know where to start looking. And how much to ask for, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's sort of like you're thinking, oh, there's money out there, so yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh man, that's so true. But yeah, so shall I start with some questions then? Oh, I'm, I'm, it's great to hear with some questions. So yeah, yeah, no, people have been yeah writing in, which is so nice. Our first question: Are there any reoccurring elements to, in quotations, bad funding applications that almost always end with rejection? It's sort of like, I can see what bad is in quotations because I don't think there are bad elements, but I think it's some. Um, Maybe the answers include um, that whether you're an individual or you're part of a team, well, sometimes you have to be part of a team to apply for things. So whether you've found your, um, the team players that you want to personally want to work with. Um, it's more if you're ready. And I think that's a really big one. It's sort of like that you can get application forms to the best state possible, but sometimes the film might not be ready. Um, for, and I'm talking maybe when you apply for production funding, it's just to have a think, is the idea absolutely ready to receive production funding, let alone what you would do with it if it was awarded? But maybe if it was rejected, is to ask for feedback immediately to see what a panel or what an executive sort of thought of it, really, and why it didn't maybe meet some criteria. Um, and sometimes you might receive the feedback if, oh, we didn't think it was quite ready. And what that might mean is that you might be better off looking elsewhere to apply for some development funding to maybe move on the visuals or to move on the script or to move on certain elements of it, really. So it's to double check that your application ticks all the right po- uh, boxes for a full package, shall I say, if that makes, does that make sense? That's what, that would be my, my answer, but. Yeah, is it like, yeah, I was thinking like maybe it's actually quite a good process to try to get funding to see actually if you're, because I think Harriet was mentioning last time that going through all those processes was really helpful and you kind of start to figure out, oh, actually, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not ready. You might know that in the process of making it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for me, for us doing it when we did the BFI thing, um, it was really useful for me getting an insight into how Strange Beast put together the pitch deck and what was involved in the pitch deck. And, you know, obviously as a, the writer, I submitted my script to it. But just seeing everything else, like Hannah's director's statement, like I don't think we did a mood board necessarily, but, um, you know, if you had a mood board, like putting that in, like any illustrations, uh, anything that gets across how you want this film to be made or look or feel or anything that can give the people reading it the the quickest most on point idea um sense of what you want to get from it that that, that was definitely i don't feel like you know, i don't i don't feel like i would change much from how we did it because we got it so it, it worked but um it was going forward i would always refer back to the one that we used as like the gold standard of like yeah okay that worked so 
I think that's a really good thing to point out. But and it's also what the applications are trying to do is to try and figure out what you might be asked from a panel or, or a funding body or a stakeholder if you're trying for money. So it's to try and preempt what a what somebody might ask you that might not be present in the application. So you know, and and for me, that's normally I know. Um, how it may laugh at this is sort of is to ask about maybe the sound and music. People forget about certain elements about maybe what the rhythm might be like, or what the sound in the soundscape might be, or is there a particular composer, or it might be a mood board for the sound and music. You know, it's um, so it's, it's time to pick off all the elements of the film really, and um, so there's little chance of room for some to ask um, a very big question that's missing from from the application, maybe you know. Yeah, because I don't think when we were in the interview stage, I don't think there was a, a question that I felt we didn't have an answer for already, which maybe is indicative of, you know, like you said, like know everything so there's no surprises. But yeah, I don't remember there being a question that stumped us and I feel like we were able to talk about each thing that was asked. Yeah, and that might be also a question about what what does this film mean for you or how is it going to progress your career or, you know, because, you know, the funding that you might be going for um, with the different bodies um, might, you've got to look at the criteria and the guidelines very carefully because they're already telling you what they potentially want to hear um, with how it ticks boxes for them in terms of the legacy or is is it personal development, is it talent development, is it, How's it bringing you on as a filmmaker or a writer or um, or somebody might be using an editor for the first time or you know so it's sort of it's 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 trying to put across that really oh that's really interesting I never really thought about that like that actually the applications are sort of like they're pointing you in what they need from you like you have to yeah give us these sort of things to tick off and then and then you're in here's here's all the lovely money I actually asked Hannah to this morning I just said oh you know this question came up and is there anything that you would like do differently or whatever and um and she said not not necessarily because she felt like the submission guidelines did point us down the road we needed to go and so again it's like yeah read that carefully like whoever you're applying to whatever they're looking for they're definitely telling you guiding you into a direction that you might need to go do you think um as somebody who is like you're the writer in that project do you feel like having someone like Hannah who's like pitched on stuff more meant that she was a bit more comfortable like with the experience of having a deck and sort of thinking about it as a whole piece 100% I mean I could have I would have put if it had been me on my own I would have put something together but it would have been nowhere near as probably as eloquent or um as like established a a system that she already goes through like on every project she pitches on and that again is very much thanks to strange beast having their support in turning this round and putting that pack together like they did an amazing job at at helping us sell our idea so yeah having practicing that kind of pitch deck thing was yeah, that's that's been a huge takeaway for me going forward. And those pitch decks, I guess, in the musical, like something like Strange Bridge, they used to put in those together for presentations for advertising or for commissioned work. And those listening, I'd like to think that you've also put in a pitch deck together to sell your your third year film. You know, it's sort of as much effort to go into um, thinking of your film that you're making in university, or um, as it as it should for a professional. I don't, you know, professional yeah. funded film. I wonder if that. I mean, it's been a long time since I was at uni, but I wonder if courses do get um, students to do that sort of stuff. I'm sure they do, but again, it's like what's required is almost a checklist, a bit like the guidelines, to sort of like you know, to, and then. But again, again, I guess I'm sort of saying that even with the best checklist in the world, you've got to go a little bit beyond that, haven't you? You know, you've got to embellish the checklist through the guidelines to make it relevant to your film. Um, so you have to go a bit above and beyond, you know. Yeah, guidelines, um, I guess, are like the baseline and you've got to bring the rest of it. You can't just submit one 
one letters things. Or if the guy don't say, you know, we want a maximum of 12 pages, you take that bit seriously and you make the 12 pages really brilliant, you know. Um, but if there is no maximum of pages, then think about going a little bit over that. Or, you know, but every page counts, you know, of what you're telling the information for, you know. Yeah, that, that made me just think, have you ever, or do you see applications that are like, sort of huge like over necessary like too big that where you're just like this is you need to distill it like is, is there such a thing as too much I have personally yeah I think I've seen um uh, again uh, and it might be again reading back to the guidelines it might be you know guidelines that say that they're that they're not looking for films over a certain length you know and suddenly maybe in your case you know right to a double the size script that you know isn't achievable for that length. You know, it's a, it's, it's those sort of things that I've seen in the past that um, that people have tried to fit a feature format into a five minute short film. I'm being exaggerating a little bit, but you know, it's, it's that really sort of making sure that. And listen, I I I've been there. Everyone's got to try it. Get incumbent. It's not that you know there isn't there isn't loads to go around. So everything counts. So I get why people would try <laughs> and um, and push it into something that it might not be, you know. Um, and the other thing is just to get feedback on your application if you can. Go to some trusted sources, um, you know, just to check that spelling's right, or you know that that you know that, that, that people can get a sense of what the film's about from from your application. If you've got time, but I always know up to the deadline. You know, it's a no matter how much time you need, you're always up to the wire of the, the deadline, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I think I think this question was answered by you, Harriet, but I'm just going to ask it anyway. Um, so this is for Harriet. Is there anything you do differently in your application since applying to the BFI fund? Was there anything you learnt from going through the whole process that made you think think differently about applying? Uh, yeah, just just the, I don't know, like I said, I don't know that I would do anything massively differently just because it worked for us. So I feel like, okay, that's a, a good uh, guide for what to do next. But um, like I said, yeah, Strange Beast's input and Hannah's knowledge of having put together pitch decks was just so useful and really uh, good to learn from. Um, and they, um, yeah, they really kind of pulled it all together into something that we could present. It felt like a presentation rather than just like, oh, my script, notes, drawings, blah, blah, blah. You know, like all the different elements actually came together to form one cohesive film, like essentially. So, yeah, that I would definitely, moving forward, I would I would take that away from it for sure. And like I, like I said, in the interviews, when we did get luckily through to the interview stage, we had been talking about it and working on it, I guess, for long enough by the interview stage, that was like five or six months later, that we knew what we wanted out of the film. And so therefore we knew, even though I was super nervous in the interview, like nothing did like panic us. I don't remember being like stuck for an answer on something, which which helped obviously because then you can at least you come away feeling like okay we did our best and we know the film we want to make and yeah I think it's worth pointing out though that someone like the BFI and I know we're talking broader sort of funding as well is that it's always worth pointing out that when you submit something it might go through a series of other hands first so it might go through a series of you know brilliant readers that somebody might take um so the panel might be the last people to see it. Um, and so it's it's got to capture everybody's attention or be intriguing enough to go through it through the through the rounds, shall we say. I don't mean rounds of interviews, I mean rounds of readers re- reading it. And um I speak from experience with somebody like the BFI, they they've got some brilliant readers, you know, and their and their teams internally. So they've all had their hands on it. And then it's sort of, you know, the big group of applications gets whittled down, you know. So it's got to capture everybody's attention right up to if you're lucky enough to, you know, come in for an interview, you know. 
So it's always worth bearing that in mind. So whoever receives it, when you hit that submit button, um, you know, it might go through a series of hands before before it's you know, sort of uh can go for an interview or be rejected at that point, you know. Yeah. Oh, that is good to think about. Um yeah, I have another question about, um, so can we ask anyone which fund to go for before we've uh, made the application? Yeah, I don't know if, I know that at some point for the BFI they had, um, and I'm sure other ones do as well, like uh, places that you could sort of call it, you could, um, I think they had like those like 15 minute little chat sessions that you could talk to a funder about um, about your application. Is that something that's quite common or... Do you know, guys yeah, I, I, I mean, the BFI are really, you know, I think they're great. I mean, if you zoom out, sort of, the coverage of the UK and the BFI are really good. You know, they've got partners in Wales, where I'm States, you know, Bill Cymru, um, Scotland, you know, Ireland and England, obviously. And I think the BFI network as a whole um, has definitely got an executive or part of a hub in your area. Um, it's just a case of finding out. Um, you know, and, and keep asking, get to know them is what I want to say. You know, get to know their name and they might be doing a talk, um, find out when, when they're next talking at an event or a conference or a festival and try to get in touch with them that way. I'm pretty certain that all, I know for that all their emails are available, shall I say. It's just sort of knowing which area you're, you're based in or, you know, one of you might be based in the north, one of you might be based in the south. So try both. Uh, you know, BFI execs to see if, uh, you know, sort of something can be joined up. Then, um, so it's just trying always, really. So I know that from the BFI point, they've got really good coverage across the UK. Um, I think the same about any, like, the Arts Council or, um, you know, just trying to think of other, you have to look, I think we may, may have mentioned this on the podcast, is look locally to yourself where you're based look nationally and then maybe internationally, you know, sort of try to go out from your home area and then sort of like zoom out of where maybe some funders are or pots of money um, and always check out if they accept animation applications. It might just mean that they haven't said that badly, <laughs> but they might, you might go, oh, yeah, if you, you know, you, but you might be doing something hybrid so you might want to still apply, you know. I guess also if they if they aren't outwardly saying they do animation and the more animators they get contacting them or directors that want to do animation, the more people they get contacting them saying, do you do animation? It might sort of alert people to the fact that this is another thing that like needs to be championed or like opened up to. Yeah, that's music to my ears. That. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, um, the more of us out there telling funding bodies and stakeholders and uh, and other means to sort of say, oh, what, but I do animation, you know. So, but, so it might be, you know, the sphere might be on websites that is more live action-based or games or, and just like, it's just make contacts, you know, and um, and I know it's obvious to say, but don't be, don't be rude with your initial email, you know. So it's not a case of you you know how dare um, you <laughs> how dare you not just cover animation but do you know who I am you know yeah. it's, it's more a case of I mean I work in this area you know or in this industry you know what what have you got to offer you know and uh, and then start that rapport really with somebody because it might I, I'm always stressing this it's the same with a relationship with a producer director you, you're in it for the long haul so these these make them your friends you know anybody that's is currently sat in some of these positions so yeah I think that's a really interesting point is that like these are all relationships like this is it's not like a, you're getting money from just a random disembodied figure it's like no that's a person and and they, they can engage with you and develop this with you and to get you to as well to a place where hopefully you can you make something together so it's nice to think of these to think of it as a relationship and they're not just like money people either, like the people that you will end up working with who are supplying funding or whatever. There's so like, again, from the BFI, but I, I'm sure with anybody, they want to make good films. 
Like that's their end goal is to make amazing films. So in a, like don't look at them like oh they're just the money people that the gatekeepers to getting what I want like they're going to be helping you make that film absolutely because everybody's reputation's at stake and also they're not there to catch you out you know they're just trying to make everybody's trying to make the better film you know and there isn't a film that doesn't need further development you know so it's there to be to be questioned and have some brilliant feedback and and therefore it's more when the teams, I love it when teams stick up for themselves, absolutely, because that's what it should be, the, the, the relationship. But it's also going, oh, I hadn't thought of that. Yes, that's quite good feedback, you know. And, um, and again, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't need experience with those type of feedback. But I always think that that's where the producer relationship comes in great, is that, um, is that producers might shield some of, some of those um, questions from the director or, or the lead, um, but it doesn't mean it's again sort of trying to catch you out. It's just sort of like it's a safety net. Everybody's a safety net, but just trying to make it better, you know. Just to um, add to the what that question was, I saw that um, on the Arts Council website they are they have have loads of different funds and that each fund you can click on there's like a little questionnaire about are you right for this fund which is quite helpful so even though it's not like uh, one of those like flow chart yes no a b c you should be on this fund each one you can go into and say what point you're at in development whether it is the early development fund or whether it's a short film fund or whatever um, and you can click through and get a yes or no to whether you're they think you're right for that film uh, for that fund um which I thought was really interesting I was having a look at that the other day and that's the one I mentioned to you Hannah is the developing your creative practice fund I think it's just finished but I presume they do other rounds but that was quite interesting again going back to like what Helen said in the podcast and here about not necessarily going for straight for the film one but going for the development one or and the same with the early film fund that the BFI are doing or is it BFI or Film London um yeah it's like yeah start where you need to start I guess and again I think you're absolutely right and again some some of your ideas might suit the arts council versus another sort of like body you know so again it's what your vision for the film is and and again, you know, um, we talked to me about the early development fund. I think it's just, I think just actually, isn't it? Or anything from new future writers. And, um, so again, it's sort of, but there's no harm making yourself known. And I think a questionnaire, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what funding you go for. There is some paperwork elements to it. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of paperwork. And, um, and I always think no pain, no gain, because so you have to read. You have to be able to read through the guidelines um, and get somebody to help if necessary or, or who you teamed up with um, to understand it. Because I think that's a really great way of saying, uh, telling you through a mini questionnaire whether you're eligible or not. To, you know. Yeah, also on that, that short school that we did last week, uh, yeah, the um, they did a networking thing at the end and... Um, you could, uh, the two people from Film London that were sort of monitoring the networking, you could, one of them actually said, look, you can book in a 15 minute slot with me. And I couldn't actually see how to get to it on the website, but they did send us a link. But so if you, if you dig through things, obviously this was Film London, but regionally, I'm sure there's all the same things, but it was, I've now signed up to that. And I'm like getting so many interesting emails just about like, short films being made again it's like live action and animation but yeah you can book a slot with somebody who knows the business of funding and stuff to like speak one-on-one and again develop that relationship with them and that was just there like you can just do it so there's no there's no barrier you just have to find it (laughs) I think that's a really I think that's a really good point and again you don't know who you're going to meet because it might be that you might be um, you know, you might be a director that's pro- producerless, you know, and so it might be a great way of um, sort of having a rapport with somebody over Zoom or in person, man, we can maybe, um, uh, to see if, 
you know, you might be out there trying to look for somebody to help you put, put applications together or, or even some like-minded people to do your next film with, you know. And those people on on that um, short school, I know I keep banging on about short school. <laughs> it was really That's good. Right. It was really good. I definitely <laughs> recommend, it was Hannah's partner that told me about it. But I was like, oh my God. And it was while I had COVID. So I was like, brilliant. I could just focus on this. Yeah, so they did a little... Um, alumni book at the end and you could sign up and it is again it was mainly live action this time but there was another animator on there who I ended up chatting to I'm just going to come to she drew that um yay um but um yeah there was producers writers directors everything so I went through the alumni list and was like right producer because producer I know animators I know directors I don't know as many producers other than the ones I've worked with on commercial jobs which I guess are also people worth talking to if you need a producer for a short film if they are interested in doing that but yeah like just going through and seeing who on there is a producer who's like who wants to be that person that produces a project because as an animator you're like I don't want to produce the project but this person that's what they actually want to do and they need a project as much as I need a producer so yeah, yeah and, and, it, and it absolutely depends whether it's a day-to-day producer or somebody that, you know, is just because animation, as we all know, takes so long. Sometimes producers aren't on it day-to-day. They're, they're there to, to be hand-holding you, but sometimes the budget doesn't allow them to be full-time on it. So they might be across a few jobs. And, and it's a really good point. If, you know, some live-action producers really love animation, um, and maybe it's a case of, They've got transferable skills as a producer. They just need to learn a little bit more about the workflow or a pipeline of an animated film, you know. And um, so, it, it, yeah, I don't. I just don't think networking is never bad. Networking, there's always somebody that you will find, you know. Oh, and I just want to say one sh- small thing about that is, um, in terms of the um, school, is that everyone should sign up to newsletters like film london bfi like all of those things please sign up to all the newsletters because that's how you hear about like those sort of it feels like secret little like meetups or whatever but it's just you know at the bottom of a newsletter they're like oh we're having a um what is that thing speed dating yeah i heard about there's some like places that do like speed dating as a networking thing and you can meet producers like that so i think or directors or writers or animators so yeah just Everyone make sure they get in onto a newsletter. <laughs> also, a lot of the... I'm So I'm going... Today I've been listening to the short school from last year. So all the, all, the, all the talks that we just listened to last week will go online eventually. But all the talks from last year are on there. And Jim Cummings is an American director who... This is a bit of a tangent, again, it's not animation-based, but he... Um, he made a short film that got turned in. He made a feature film. He does all of his stuff more or less self-funded, um, which again would be interesting with the distribution question later. But um, he's got a whole hour's talk from last year about how he started out making his own short films, again, live action. But, you know, it's you can still apply this stuff. So, and yeah, that talk is on there. All this stuff, all this information, even if you've missed it live, is still on there. That sounds pretty. I'm gonna, I'm gonna check it out. As well. <laughs> and I just want to be. You're absolutely right about e-bulletins and you know there's animated women UK. You know there's animation UK. Anybody who's at a screen alliance UK. You know if you're crossing into VFX or you know sort of post production or you know there's so many bulletins out there that just um, try and highlight studios. Because again, I'm a big fan of watching credits or getting the it leads you to, I know we've mentioned it before, the movers and shakers of the industry, you know, and um, and sometimes you've got to do a little bit of research, you know, you've got to do a lot of research yourself, you know. The newsletters are a great way of springboarding into other things. You know, once you've read it, you can go and do some research. So Definitely. Um, so the next questions, well, these are about producers, and I feel like we have talked quite a bit about producers, but maybe we can just... Uh, go through quickly uh what does a what does a producer do it'd be nice to yeah sort of maybe think about what producer does in in terms of partnering with creatives in in funding applications well just in animation shall we say you know there's um the route up through you know everybody has different 
role names, shall I say. So from studio to studio, you might end up being three of these roles. So I'm just sort of, you know, it's all right. But there is a line producer, there's a producer, there's an exec producer. You can work your way up to a production coordinator or um, uh, assistants, you know, so there's a, and a production manager. There is a trajectory, shall I say. However, from studio to studio, it might change. I'm just putting that out there as a bit of a disclaimer. But I guess um, a producer... They keep it all together, you know. They keep, they keep, they have to keep a handle on everything that's going on on the film, and that might be that. I mean, I always say that writing a budget and a schedule is as creative as coming up with an idea. You've got to know about workflows. You've got to know about the pipeline. You've got to know about the structure of the film, um, in order to know how to piece it all together, in order to make it. So they 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 are absolutely top of their game in sort of being a part therapist. You know, they're the person that everybody should go to. Um, they 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 have to know about legal jargon. They're not not meant to be a lawyer themselves, but they have to be able to understand or get it legally signed off um, and lots of paperwork. And they they have to be. Um, I think the best role that a producer does is be a really good ambassador. So I feel it's it's who the team follows, and if they if they follow by example, and so I feel the producer is all of those things that's carrying the production. But more importantly, they're ambassador for the film, but also they might be ambassador for the brand that it becomes. So because you don't just leave it after it gets delivered, you have to take it on the road, maybe with the director, and you should be a team doing that, you know, and if. It's successful i always think we shy away slightly if you lean the producer director to, to move on to the next project all together you know if they've worked really well but at, at the end of the day the producer is helping bring in the vision to life you know and and they should be strong to say when something um they can come up with creative solutions to say you know if, it's a, if a director or an, an animator wants to do it in a particular way and, the, and there isn't the money the producer will try and find the money or they'll try and come up with a creative solution with you to say, well, if you, you don't, we can't do that, but we can do this. So they're really integral to all of, all of that. So, but again, it might be a classic exec producer that is just trying to find some, raise some money to make things, you know, and they don't get involved in day to day. A bit like me, you know, I, I, I don't always enjoy the day to day. I like, sort of like trying to bring things to life, you know, and um, get it into production. But sometimes the day-to-day production is quite off-putting. <laughs> but, you know, I can say that after so many years, but it's still exciting to see it come together, don't get me wrong. So, But I was just going to say, and for us, like Zoe, having Zoe as, an, it was almost like she was slightly impartial to the creative process at times. So when me and Hannah are like getting real deep into... Like, oh, should she be doing this? Should she be doing that? Like Zoe, because she's a little step away from the in-depth creative stuff, was able to be like, guys, this bit's not working. Or like, yeah, this, you could maybe do this a bit differently. And it was nice having that impartial voice when you're so like fixed and focused in. Like, I think that's a nice thing about, I mean, you you get that on um, commercial jobs too, when the producer can be like, yeah, this bit's not working. You're like... Oh, and you like you're like oh, why did you say that? But actually, you know they're right. You know, like you're like, and then you can fix it. So that was really helpful with us. Was Zoe? I mean, she was amazing. But yeah, that's good. And I guess my direct, if we talk about Zoe, and I think she's fantastic, is that working on your BFI short, um, there was a lot of admin, should we say, in terms of emails traffic between the BFI and Zoe that probably you and Hannah didn't see. Um, because there is a lot to cover. You know, when, when you get awarded funding, there is a lot to pull together, not just make the film itself as in a creative step. I mean, that there's a lot of paperwork to be doing. You know, there's a lot of contracts to pull together. Um, there's a lot of liaison, you know, liaison that you, you maybe get hidden from in, in, in a right way. Because again, you don't want to get bogged down in that. So. Did you find um, Zoe in the like product when you were doing the application? Was she did she have much input in, in the sense of like reading things through and being like, oh, maybe we can take this out, or was she like just focusing on schedules and budget and letting you guys 
Uh, no, yeah, she definitely, <laughs> she read my first draft that was <laughs> quite long and was like, yeah, I really like it. It's really, it's a really great film, but it's not five minutes. <laughs> we were like, we were like, yeah, yeah, sorry, it'll be fine. It'll be five minutes. <laughs> Obviously it wasn't. So like, you know, she was dead aware straight away that what we were making was above the five minutes that we were aiming for. Um, and we cut it down and then it went back up. But um, yeah, she... <laughs> she did she was able to give us that input and then well that's a really good example because it went up in length but the money doesn't go up do you know what I mean so so in terms of not not that I know Sophie's business and I don't wish to claim but um but that must have been internal tax that Zoe was having you know at another level to try and you know sort of make everybody aware of that you know and um and again, I don't know whether there were any hurdles or, you know, again, a producer is there to somebody within a bigger organisation, shall I say, they might have resistance from high above and they're trying to sort that out. I know sometimes that's what I used to do, you know, is if I keep all of that from the creators, but fight their corner, you know, and, and as long as you know that a producer has got, got their back, you know, um, then that's fine. I think, I think as always, um, they get really underrated producers, you know, that they, they do just think it's budgets and schedules, and it's far more than that, you know. But, um, I'm not saying it isn't that either, but sometimes, again, you know, I, equally, I think the director should be made aware of budgetary implications for doing X, Y, and Z, and they, should, they shouldn't know the day-to-day cost input sometimes, but, but they need to have a bigger, they need to have a handle on what it costs as well, you know. You know, an animator needs to come in for an extra week. They might need to know the implication of that. You know, so um, but and I think maybe I'm preempting you, but they'll ask us where you might find one. <laughs> find a producer if you don't know any. <laughs> um, I think it sounded like going to places like the short courses. Um, sort of like just again, it's about. I know I I bang on about net networking and signing yourself up, but it is that case of. Being able to be at the right time at the right place to meet maybe some producers that are, you know, and or maybe looking at some success stories of films that have won awards or festivals and looking at who produced it, are they near you, would they like to do what they're producing next? Because sometimes, as I said, producers can be across several projects. So, um, but then you've got to remember they're buying into you as a director, if that's where you're coming from. And, and I always feel that it's a bit, it's like a relationship. They've got to potentially like you or not, certainly like your work and where it's heading for them to agree to work with, alongside you, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, how, I think, yeah, one of the questions was how can you tell, how can we tell something be a good producer? How will it be a good producer director partnership? And I guess it's that coming back to that thing of relationships, like how are you, how can you foresee if something's going to work out in that sense? But is it just uh, trying it or having those conversations and seeing if actually that makes sense? I mean, I imagine as a director, you kind of, the um, producer will choose to sign on to your film or not, maybe. Or vice versa, you you might be a producer that's looking for a director, you know, because um, you might be a producer that, you know, not sadly to say that not all is original um, sort of IP or original script. Sometimes it's adaptations of found pieces that you might look for a director to come on board or a writer, you know. So it's, again, it's about a producer looking outwards as it is a director. Um, I think we've got really brilliant i'm not going to name names because then i'm going to get i'm going to go down a rabbit rabbit hole that i don't want to but there's some fantastic examples of producer directors that we've got in the uk on the short film circuit that work really well together um and and i think i do think as much as it's a prerogative of a producer to like the director or like their work their previous work so your body of work to show somebody about selling yourself is equally as important as it is for producers. So, well, here are my credits, and this is this is the ones that I I like to work on. You know, this is how I like to work. Um, and if you mutually agree that that is the way of working, then so be it. I think it's always really really clear to point out to have a trial period because sometimes you know people forget that. Let's say to 
you know, each other. Um, should we should we see how we go for three months? You know. Yeah, because I mean, like Harry, your film, like, was that? Um, yeah, in production. Like, how long had you been working with Zoe? Because that's like potentially a really long time to bind yourself to someone if after like two weeks you're like oh this isn't working out this is is a problem Uh (laughs) uh-oh I mean luckily I'd worked with Zoe at Strange Beast on commercial jobs um before I mean I guess for me it's the same really with Hannah and Zoe it's like even though both of them were like fairly new to my world and my like creative life um I had worked with them a couple of times on commercial jobs before we'd started the film stuff. And then, yeah, we were, yeah, I mean, it was like a year. We started production kind of a a year after we first applied, like six months after we'd got the go the paper, ahead. Yeah, the paperwork took a long yeah. time. But yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there was... Yeah, and, and I don't think we were even the, the team that took the longest because there was another one that had, like, co-funding that I, I think didn't start till loads later. So luckily we didn't have that. But, um, yeah, in the end, you know, it well, it's essentially, like, just under two years we've spent in this process of, like, from applying to release you know, and we're still, you know, trying the festival circuits and stuff like that. So Zoe's still in touch with us about that. But yeah, it it's a long time to to be partnered with people. So yeah, they've got to be people you like, <laughs> which they are, luckily. Well, sometimes, you know, just the devil's advocate there is like, I've worked with people that I had to use respectful, but you don't always like, you, you would go for a drink with them. <laughs> But you wouldn't want to hang out with them all the time, you know, but you have huge respect. There's something that gels when you're in a working environment together, you know, and um, and I think that's the important thing. So you're going to spend a long time with them in the working environment. Nobody's telling you to go home with them, you know, sort of like you don't, you can just sort of, um, and and I think that's the really good spark, you know, is if, if everybody's bringing out the best in each other. Yeah, because it's professional. It's not necessarily about friendship. It's also about, you know, because I think I definitely have people I've worked with in the past who are really good friends, but actually we don't, our work sort of, the way we work is just completely the opposite. And you're like, this doesn't make any sense. But yeah, a trial period. Yeah, and it might mean that somebody has literally got a different time clock to you. You know, I don't mean that they might be working in different different you know, in Australia or whatever, but in the furthest part. But um, but it might be that they're more creative at night and you're more creative during the day, but it works for you, you know. It's sort of like that, that, that somehow you've got this time where you're both awake that, that it will work for you, you know. So it's anything that goes. But the trouble is a lot of our work does have to happen between nine and six, <laughs> you know. So, so it has to be a very a good compromise you know to, to make that work but we all know many examples that do so um so yeah we have a question on about distribution so um it says i see there's a couple of animation distribution agencies like me distribution etc um at what point of the process should one look for distributors in pre-production when the fund has been secured or um if there's a teaser do you guys have any thoughts about that? I think the person who asked this um, was asking because she's worked with production companies before um, and gotten funding, but then she's generally had to distribute things herself, which is a lot of admin, as it seems like with all of funding, a lot of admin. <laughs> yeah, and, and the point there in the series note is, is funding required thing because it's got to have an audit trail, you know, it's. It, Essentially, it's public money. So, um, and I guess the, the term distribution here is there's a few things. So, you can, so again, you, you know, Harriet was just saying about the life of their film is now on the festival service, on festival run. Um, so, who is doing that submissions for festivals? Um, there might be somebody that's doing it in house, um, but they've all, you, you kind of, there isn't a right or wrong way where you can approach distributors, um, when you've been awarded some funding, or you might wait till there's a teaser. But it's, it, I think it's knowing what you want the distributor to do. 
So you might want the distributor to work in a traditional way that they, and bearing in mind, they require a lot of deliverables from for you to be able to sell it around the world, let's say, onto a global market. So you might need to have subtitling done. There's a lot of costs involved in distribution. So hence, sometimes why it lands on somebody doing it themselves, you know, because a lot of the festivals require, um, you know, really hard hardware, you know, in terms of deliverables. Um, and so that might be off-putting. A distributor is, is asking it. And then it's also... If you're engaging with the distributor, what are you asking them to do? But also, are you prepared for their answers and what they give you in paperwork terms to look over? So you might need some lawyers, media lawyer help to be able to understand what the distributor, what you're buying into or what agreement you're doing with them. So there's there's quite a lot of answers there I'm aware of. Um, but it might mean that... Um, but I think overall, you've got to know what, what a sense of your marketing or your distribution strategy is. I think um, we got asked that, I think. You guys, did you guys ask this on the panel? Yeah. Yeah, the BFI asked that as one well, part of their guidelines, really. It's all part of their submission is to ask them, what are your distribution or marketing plans? And, um, and, Nobody, this isn't talking as a BFI, but nobody is in the wrong if they say we just want to put it on the festival circuit, <laughs> you know, because there is a huge raft of festivals out there. And we're talking not just animation festivals, but it could be genre related, it could be women's festivals, it could be, you know, it could be horror, it could be sci-fi, it, you know, there's so many festivals that you can speak of. Um, and there's some really good websites to know when deadlines are coming up. Um, some of them are free entry, some of them aren't, you know, that you have to put a certain amount maybe aside for festival submissions. Animation Festival website, animationfestivals.com, I think. But, um, yeah, that lists them all. And, you know, but you might more have a more strategic plan that you might be aiming for some big awards, you know, and sort of like that require some premieres maybe or some exclusivity so you might not be able to release it online when you want to so there's so many plans that go into thinking about the marketing and the distribution really and um, maybe that they picked up on is absolutely one of the big ones that takes a lot of animated shorts um and again they're really visible but you can see on their websites or you can see names that you know emails that you can get in touch with but again, again, it's going back to applying, and that is put a really good teaser together of the finished film, or um, or ask the distributor, would you like to see it when it's finished? Would you like to have a say in it now? You know, how does how does it? Work? Don't be afraid to ask people how they work or how they operate, and um, what what would their plan be if they took your film on? That short of the week is it short of the week website? Um, they had um, uh, they had an article on again the film London people shared this about the and it's slightly different from distribution but it was about sort of strategy once you're ready to release the film and and they I think they call it be everywhere at once. Oh yeah, that's quite a few. That's a couple of years old now, isn't it? Rob, yeah, Rob did that to me. Yeah, it's a really good. I always say it that is out. interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah because we. Um, so we're sort of in this now, this is the phase our film's in and because we've released it on Vimeo and it got staff pick and everything, which is amazing. And we've had like an insane amount of views, which is like, blow. I've never had anything like that. I've never made short films before, so I wouldn't. But like, yeah, we've, you know, it's up there like crazy. But because we've released it online, I don't know if this is having a knock-on effect to the festivals. Like we're not getting in any of the big festivals that we wanted to get into but I mean it's maybe the film's just not right for them which is totally fine but that's been an interesting one of them did say it was because it's online so even though in that article it does say that things uh, festivals are taking things that are still are visible online already like I think it it is worth reading that article and, and they've got a really good point about like if there's a specific festival you want it to get in, save it for that, then release it. Yeah, there's tons of information on it. But yeah, I thought that was a useful article. It, you, you're right. And then, and also it's not to under, undermine because I know attending festivals requires money to attend yourself. Um, um, 
But if you can, um, and your film maybe picked up by the British Council in terms of drug travel support or something, then um, it is always worth investigating that because festivals and conferences are a really good place to meet people. Again, you're being an ambassador for yourself and you're meeting like-minded people. Um, and I think you're right, not all audience or festivals, they have their own criteria, they have their own guidelines of what of taste, shall we say, of what they like. And sometimes your film doesn't hit those notes, you know, with the selection committee. Sometimes it's, um, you know, the festival director themselves choosing. Sometimes it's a pre-selection committee that, you know, that all these films are going into. So it's just, every, again, festivals work in different ways. So it's just getting used to the way that they work. And they've all got to be very clear on their website how they work, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that this that whole side of it is totally new for me, so that's quite interesting. I'm just I'm sort of like learning as I go with this. Yeah, but again, start locally, go around the UK festivals. You know, sort of like that. That's a really good way of if you even if your film hasn't got in, it's worth going to maybe see what films did, and and sort of maybe that might influence your choices. You know, sort of again. So it's all it does. It's not a wasted journey. And you meet friends for life, I can assure you. You know, people that you feel meet at film festivals, especially like-minded filmmakers, you'll be potentially on a journey together, you know. So, and again, if you're always there to ask questions, aren't you? So you can ask other filmmakers how they got funded or, you know, what they're working on next. And so it's it's really good place to hang out. So To go to lots of festivals and also very fun. <laughs> yeah. And now yeah. they're happening in person again. Yeah. I just pace yourself as well. Yeah. You know, sort of like, especially if they're over a week, you just sort of don't burn out on day one. You know, really pace yourself. You know, that's some good advice. I was going to ask actually quickly what um you you mentioned like traditional distribution for like something about traditional distribution format. Is that like is there a sort of standardized or was there a standardized way to get things distributed? Well, yeah, and 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 it was the same in. You know, TV series and features as well. It still is the case that somebody will pick it up and a distributor will pick it up to sell internationally to as many territories as possible, you know. And, um, but with a short film, you know, there's only, there's only so many outlets for it, shall we say. Um, but it might be that you want somebody to, to be that admin person that is, is, and what I'm saying is about maybe I think they're fantastic, but they have got quite a large catalogue, which, which helps in some ways, that they then send quite a few films to the same festival, and yours is just one of them. Um, and so that's really positive, or you might be really more targeted doing it yourself, and as you say, sort of trying out different festivals. But the traditional model is you're trying your hardest um, to get a little bit of money back in, from sales at the end of the day. So putting it on Vimeo, it's not, it might get you the eyeballs, but it's not going to get you money back necessarily. So, but that might be part of, you know, Shay's big strategy with your mountain is waiting, which is, there's no right and wrong. I'm just saying it's whatever's right for the film and the team to see, yeah, who, who picks it up really. Um, and again, just be ambitious with it. Just be ambitious with the thinking. You might want to get it into Cannes, you know. Um, you might want to get it into Annecy. And, you know, you might be thinking bigger and better. So just aim for those, you know. But get to know get to know the world that is the festival circuit. Mm. That's really interesting, just, like, thinking. Because it just feels like it's all... It's just a whole new world, isn't it? Just like like the funding, the festivals, it's all, and it all takes time and thought to actually really consider what it is you want to be doing and why you're doing it and where it's going to go. It's sort of, I think, well, previously when I thought about making a short film or funding or stuff, you're like, oh, I've got this nice idea. I'm just going to do that. And actually it's like, if you wanted to like turn into something, you really have to like give it a lot of consideration. You do, and there's never a better feeling. We've all been there where you want everybody to see it. So you think the best option is to go out there and you know send send it everywhere. Um, but sometimes a more strategic approach is probably what what is needed. You know, especially these days, I guess with so many platforms and so many different options. As I guess before Vimeo and YouTube, you didn't have that option. You had to sort of 
put it into the festival circuit or whatever else first and, and see what happens. Yeah, I'm always amazed because um, I run the British Animation Awards through Film Freeway, which is a really friendly, you know, filmmakers portal, should we say, where a lot of festivals um, sort of like use that. And, um, uh, and I would urge people to check that out. And again, you're always getting pinged what festivals are coming up or, you know, check out what's happening this week, you know, the deadline's coming up. So, um, so yeah, no, it's, um, there's always something to look at too. Or just ask other filmmakers if you can, if you can get, you know, what did they do? Uh, you know, if people are willing to share what they wouldn't do as much as they would do, you know. Oh, don't do that. I did that once and that didn't get me anywhere, you know. And to keep, as we probably alluded to, keep abreast of what's happening with the videos and the new platforms, you know, as well. Yeah, so maybe just one more question, um, if we've got time. Uh, can I apply to this cycle of the BFI Network short animation film fund for partial funding of my film, even if I haven't secured additional funding yet? And I think that's like quite interesting for sort of any any type of funding. It, it depends really, like what, what what size the pot is you're going after, and how big and what your budget requires. You know, so I think you can you've got to make it very clear on the applications if there's a third party funding coming in. You know, and is it secure or not secure? Maybe that it's not secured when you go for the application, um, but it becomes secured while they're looking at your application. To which you would always say, send them a side note to say, oh, by the way, can you attach this to my application that it has been secured now? You know, so there's some, so again, it's that relationship thing is sort of making people look clear when things have moved on. Um, but if you can make something for the funding, the maximum the funding pot offers, then good on you, you know, or you might want to, you might have some deals already in place that you know that, that you've got a, a a quote or a fixed rate of something that you can bring to the table, you know. Um, I'm thinking there, I'm not encouraging anybody to do it, but I'm just thinking if you've got, you know, maybe a post house that you, you work regularly with that has already committed to your next short film, you know, and that you've had that relate, you know. So you can, for those as much that you can bring to the table, or it might be that a composer is willing to cut you a deal, you know. But yeah, they, but I think in terms of, certain funders I think that third party they give you a little bit of time to then secure that funding and it's the what ifs if that funding isn't secured what happens you know you either revisit the budget and say actually we can make it for less um or no you know we've got one more place to try and find the funding can we have a month or something? Oh, so it is, it, you can have like, it is an ongoing discussion. It's not sort of, it's done, you lost that bit. I think there'll have to come a point. It depends on who we're talking about here, funder-wise. So sometimes at the point of um, submission, sometimes people have to have everything secured, but sometimes not. But it can be an ongoing discussion. Um, but you might have applied for certain pot of funding that, um, that, that you don't hear for another three months you know and then you, you, you're really honest with the funder to say we won't know about this funding for another few months it's, it's what if that funding doesn't come off have you got another source or will you resort back to an original budget to, that the whole fund has to cover you know but it, it again do you know what it's back to reading guidelines sort of it's been really clear about at the point of application um, what sources of funding do you have to secure or not secure it? No, that's really interesting. Yeah, it's it's yeah guidelines. They they they're giving it to you. Or ask if it doesn't. If 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 they don't say, then then sort of again, it's back to that initial email. Say we're thinking of applying. Well, you know, we've got some other sources that we're waiting to hear. How do you want us to approach it? You know, so there's everybody's there to what we ask. You know, questions. I think that's nice to know that it's like read things really carefully, but also, yeah, people are still you. There is a human at the end of that form that you can contact because I think sometimes, yeah, it does feel like you're just doing like a tick box or something and you, you kind of forget that actually someone's going to read this and that someone's actually wrote this as well. So, but no, that's yeah, that's great. 
Oh, thank you so much, guys. Was there any? Was there anything that you um, wanted to mention that you felt um, had been left out of the original chat? My biggest thing, which I I don't I probably said this on the podcast. I apologise, but is is that when you are thinking of applying for funding, is make sure you are doing it in animation for the right reason. <laughs> you make sure there's an element in the application that tells that. Tells everybody that's reading it why choose animation. I, I'm always a big deal for that. But I know a few people might smile and think that. That's one of my things is to sort of, you know, if you've chosen the animation to do it, why? You know? Yeah. No, that's so important because it is like, if you could make this in live action, make it in live action. There has to be a reason. There has to be a reason. <laughs> I think that would be mine. But um, otherwise, I think. Again, sort of thanks everybody for their questions. That was great. And good luck to everybody, isn't it? Good luck. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And keep keep applying, like look into it. Just don't hold don't back. Be put, and don't, don't be put off by applying, even if you get rejected. Somebody has to be rejected. So to keep applying. And also with festivals as well, keep, keep applying for festivals. A massive thank you to Helen Bronston and Harriet Gillian for their time and knowledge. It's been so wonderful talking with them about funding and shedding some light on this area of the industry. Thank you to the audience for listening and sending in their questions. We really hope you enjoy the Q&A and we look forward to hearing your feedback. Stay tuned for our next episode and from everyone at Shoe Do That, thank you for listening.